0: Hey guys, I'm Danny.
1: And I'm EJ, and this is the Your Living Proof Podcast,
0: where we talk about addiction and how it affects the family, from the brutal to the beautiful and everything in between. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Your Living Proof Podcast.
1: I hope that some of you are watching this on YouTube because Danny looks really handsome today. He's wearing my favorite I color. got a
0: good skin fade going on. My wife washed her hair.
1: I did yesterday, but still.
0: You know, what's cool is some people like podcasts, whether on the stair, the stair climber, the treadmill, some people.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely like I listen to podcasts when I work out. Like,
0: yeah. And there's this whole new world. YouTube is like a vibe. Like it's a thing. It is. For a lot of people. Maybe, Maybe it's kind of how you date yourself, your age. Yeah. Like We're still not getting into the YouTube thing. But man, it seems like anyone younger than us, that's.
1: I don't know. I actually feel like it's the reverse.
0: Okay. Well, but if you'd like to see and hear, yeah. You can follow us on YouTube. Yeah. But we are grateful for everyone who helps us in this journey by sharing your positive feedback on some of these episodes, um by sharing it with people that you know who need it. Yeah. Because just as a recap, our entire company our mission from the beginning was to empower the greatest resource on the planet against addiction. And it's the family. And I know that not everyone who deals with these life-threatening situations from an addiction has a good family, but there are many who do. Yeah. People on the sideline, what do we do? How do we help? This doesn't make sense. Like we've tried, we've begged, we've pleaded. This program is to empower you with not only the tools and like, the resources of how to help and how to intervene, but it support you the whole way through to give you support because it is going to be a battle.
1: Yeah. And that's why we do the podcast because yeah. we want to give a free resource to all of the amazing humans out there that love someone who has yeah. an addiction.
0: And if you're, you know, investigating or looking into our program, we hope this this podcast allows you to see a little bit more of us and our personality, yeah. things like that. So because believe it or not, like, We've worked really hard to get where we are. There was quite the broken road that brought us together, but it's still hard. Yep. Still hard. Our kids this week, I don't even know. Like, I I swear I had two of the most psychotic events that occurred where it's just like those difficult, hard moments where you can't believe it's happening. Yeah. Just like kids copying attitude, which is always manifested from other things they're going through or challenges or puberty. But my gosh, like I got put to the test. I even failed probably twice as a dad to keep my cool as long as I could. But we're all in this journey together, this thing called life and family.
1: It, it's true. And I, there's nothing better to battle for, in my opinion, than, than families, because I think, they're, I think families are literally the most under attack unit in all of the world, in society as a whole, across the globe. Um, and so I just think the more um, the more resources, the more support, the more love that we can um, give each other, the better off we will all be. So that's why we are here.
0: And you know, it's a perfect segue into today. Um, so hear this, hear this out, this topic, because I feel like it will resonate with most of you, as far as like those who are listening and following us, because it it's talking about you. And if it Correct. doesn't, then. You know people, whether it's your parents or yeah. it's your relatives, your neighbors, yeah, someone one of your at friends. your church. Yep. Here it is. And here's the segue. It's funny that we talked about that because family is everything. Yeah. And actually, when it comes to addiction, when a family learns to unite, and I don't care what your family dynamic looks like.
1: Yeah. D- you don't have to be like a nuclear family necessarily. but When
0: they come together, set aside their differences, unify in a plan act together. That's what speaks to the illness addiction more than any time you've tried to beg or plead with them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So
0: we're going to get into it. Why is it? Here's the question. Why is it that those who come from goodly parents, meaning people who came from homes where people were faithful, hardworking, obedient, educated, why do those families struggle especially hard with someone in addiction.
1: I love this topic so, so much because if you didn't know, if, you, if you're if you hearing that and you're like, wait, what? It's the truth.
0: And it's what I've worked with the most over the last several years. Yep. I the mean, most I,
1: all-star families, the yep. most rock star parents, like people that are on the ball, like they are awesome human beings that are dominating life in all these different arenas. But in this arena, they are getting ragdolled.
0: Yeah, when I talk about it, like legitimately, like business owners, successful people, doctors. There's a, a doctor and his wife I just started working with. There's bishops, priests, people of religious, Yeah. you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Just religious authority. Yeah, authority. Thank you. People that do so well in so many areas of life. So why is it? Over the last several years, I've compiled a lot of information that shows that there's like a pattern, right? Yeah. There's this unique pattern that all of them fall into, like they yes. follow.
1: Yes, it, it totally.
0: So today we're going to outline six of the main reasons.
1: Yes, and and I and these aren't our opinion. This is literally based on years and years of of firsthand experience noting all of these things over and over again. And this isn't just with people in Utah. This is across the country. This yeah. is just the truth.
0: So the idea behind this was presenting these to see if you would ask yourself, or again, if you share this with someone, if they would ask themselves, do I do that? Mm-hmm. So that's my challenge. Just As we go through these, just really take a honest, hard look inside and be like, do I do that or do I not? Yeah. Because understanding these and being able to overcome them will start to change everything.
1: Yeah. And, and if, if you do step back and you, and you're like, Whoa, wait a minute. I just heard myself there. That's okay. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's okay. It's, it's normal. It's natural. It's, it's okay. Yep. But knowing it is so empowering because then you can do better.
0: So let's run through these six. Okay. And I wrote some stuff down to make sure that we don't forget a few things. But number one, The first principle, and this is the only one. I've shared this before. If you've heard it, I'm sorry, but you need to hear it again. The only principle that has been true 100% of the time with no matter who I worked with, however they differed from anyone else, it is the universal fact that what you know your loved one is going through is just the tip of the iceberg. Yes. So please hear me because when people actually come to believe this fact, it changes everything. It changes you. It changes your approach. It changes the way you're looking at the situation, the way you act, react. You are already concerned. You're either concerned or you're fearful of their life, Mm -hmm. wherever your progression is with your loved one's addiction. That concern, the level of concern that you have, is based upon only a fraction of what's really going on. And what I mean by that is, what you found, like if they accidentally left something out or you were snooping in their room and you found something or they left their backpack out and you noticed there was something in it.
1: Or even for those who are like, no, I have a really good relationship with my kid or whatever. They tell me lots of stuff that they probably shouldn't even tell me. They're only telling you enough so that you will back off.
0: Correct. 100%. And it usually always progresses to that point, right? Everything's a secret. Everything's unknown. And then all of a sudden... Things are discovered, things are found out, and so they'll let you know a few things. Why? Because then you know, so you don't have to question anymore, but they're only letting you know enough so that you don't...
1: Investigate further, right? So that you're satisfied with like, okay, yep, I was
0: right. So why is that? Why is it such a powerful principle? First of all, it's, like I said, the only one that's been true 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. Anyone I've worked with, they're like, oh my gosh, look what happened. Even the worst of situations where they're like, my loved ones progressed to this point where we're fearing for their life. They still only know a fraction. And what I mean by that is they know that they have no idea how much their loved one is actually using, how often they're using the amount they're using the situations they're putting themselves in that are dangerous. Mm-hmm. How many times a day their usage is teetering, on the, teetering on the line of suicidal and, and to overdose at any minute. So, when people come to understand this, and I think, again, backing up to the beginning of the topic, why do good, amazing, educated, successful families suffer the most? Because we're even blinded by it more than maybe those families that aren't.
1: Yes, totally.
0: You're blinded by it because you, 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 you think there's a lot of thoughts, right? We could go into that. But you can't believe that it could possibly be worse for so many different reasons. Right. And when people realize, okay, what we're already concerned about, maybe seeking help or looking at what you can do to help your loved one, you are basing that off of a tiny fraction of what's really going on. And if, if you knew the extent of the suffering, the usage, the darkness they feel, the struggle they're going through, anyone who actually understood that it was worse would just dive right in
1: yeah and i think that's why it's so important and that that's why we're talking about it is because i can't tell you how many people will use the word like it's just alcohol
0: oh don't even get me started or it's just weed i'll throw this microphone through the window yeah
1: I, it, because it's like well i don't know d- does that make you feel better and about i was gonna it? get
0: into that more later on but yeah. that's a hundred percent true yeah so please i know it's depressing you're like oh my gosh danny thanks a lot you're telling me that no matter what my spouse or my child is doing, that it's worse? Yes, it is 100% of the time. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. It's to, you to make you understand that you're not crazy. You're yeah. not overreacting. This is bad, and it's way worse than you actually know. So it's time to do something about it.
1: Right. And if you want to dive into that even more, we have another free resource that you can check out, and it's our master class. And in our master class, Danny outlines these six different stages. Yeah of addiction, and it might be a really fascinating journey for you to go on. Um, So just check it out. If you go to our website, you can just hit free masterclass and just watch it. Let us know what you think. Um, Let's move on. Let's move on. Um, Number two, I'm so happy that I got this one because I love it, and it is hope. All of these amazing, faith-filled, grounded in Jesus Christ, families they get ragdolled because of their faith and it's tricky that's it's a, it's a tricky one right because you don't want to not have faith you you don't want to not have hope you certainly need both of those things now and forever but it's tricky because in this situation your belief in god or in the atonement of Jesus Christ, it can almost be weaponized against you. Um, and how is that? Well, it's the the let go and let God thing. Um, you're putting it in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, you're literally putting the cart before the horse if you're sitting there praying that God will somehow intervene, right? Like change this person's mind. Um, When you love someone that's in active addiction, hoping that God will somehow like create a new circumstance in which that person will suddenly not want to use drugs anymore, it's just a false idea of how God works.
0: You know what, in layman's terms, like that's the whole... When I looked at doing this, that was my whole purpose was to help people get to a point where they could actually let go and let God. But that included being fully prepared with the plan, understanding what it was going to take, regardless of stigma or thought or assumption or is this a moral breakdown or a disease, that people would get a strategic plan in place, the tools they needed, then turn it over to him. Right. Meaning we understand that, what's going that's on. That's what I
1: mean by the cart before the horse yes. right there. Because when you try to do that as just like you're just – praying every night maybe you're fasting maybe you're doing whatever you have to do to to just give all of your energy and faith in that god could heal this person it's like yes you're right he can heal this person but he can't until certain things happen and that would require them already being on this journey of healing for that healing to begin so it's It's difficult because it's where a lot of people get stuck. They get stuck in this endless cycle, so to speak, of praying for the wrong thing, praying that this person is just going to change or that they're going to want to change or that something's going to happen that will force them to change. And if I could just suggest one thing, because I don't ever want people to stop praying, I would say pray for strength to do what is going to be required. Pray for the courage to act, to do these difficult things that are going to be required because your loved one is in prison. And unfortunately, right now, you're the only one with the keys to help them get out. And so your prayers need to shift to something completely different, which is empowering you Praying for the strength to unite your family, praying for for the courage and the capacity to do what's required and to follow through day after day. That should be the prayer.
0: Yeah, I'm praying for the willingness to get help. Right. Like for most people that we're talking about, it was my family included, they had to humble themselves enough to get help. You never needed help with anything else before. Right. Starting a business, raising a family, doing this, like so many things we just did. Yeah. But to ask and receive help from someone else in this is also something you have to pray for.
1: Yeah. So trust me when I say like your faith and your belief is not in vain. But unfortunately, right now, it's just being used to, it's creating just a bubble, which you just can't, you, you can't get out of. So if you can shift your prayer and your faith to go towards moving you into action and having the courage to continue going on, that's what it should be. But the, praying that the person's going to be healed or magically wake up and say, I'm ready for help, that won't work.
0: I, I just like to say in the simplest way, whatever they're self-medicating with is a poison. And as long as that poison is consumed... Right. Right that poison is running through their body, their blood, their mind, everything. They have no agency. And this is, again, p- people of faith have a hard time. I speak with a lot of dads, and they just can't accept that. No, they know better. They can, they've can. they just got to make the choice. Right. It is so scientifically and medically proven now, just when, with all the studies of the brain. When those poisons, like I said, are going through their body, they do not have agency. It's actually like the one weapon Satan uses to, like, interrupt God's plan, which is we all have agency to choose. Amen. So there's a lot of other difficult things. You could have, like, health diagnosis that was really bad, and you would still have your agency to choose to get help and how you're going to react to that. But they
1: don't have it. And that's why, again, that's why we fight for families, because this is the one instance where I'm like, dang, Satan is so good. He figured out how to take someone's agency. If you get them addicted to drugs— you took it. They don't have it anymore. And the unfortunate part is for those people who have the amazing people around them, like you who are listening to this podcast, then their faith is weaponized against them to just try to point at this one person in that one direction. And I'm telling you right now, turn your faith towards yourself in this moment so that you can help them. And on that note, I'm just going to read the serenity prayer. We always read it at the end, but I'm going to read it right now because this is where your faith should lie. God, grant me the serenity to accept that I cannot change other people. The courage to change the person that I can and the wisdom to know that it is me.
0: Circling back all the way to the only way someone will escape this hell that they're in is when someone or something intervenes. It'll either be death, judge, a judge, the criminal system, or you. Someone has to do something to stop this madness. But When a family does it, it's scary. You're going to face a lot of your biggest fears. Some of those for most people are, ooh, if we do something, if we set a boundary, it could get worse. Like They could be in places where they get in trouble, or they could yeah. possibly go out and die from this.
1: Mm-hmm. That's why it's so scary.
0: This is a fatal illness, and the families have to have that. So I love that you share that because your hope and faith is neutralized unless it's put in the right place. That's right. That's exactly right. Give me the strength to do what's necessary. Give me the strength and the humility to ask for help. Give me the the knowledge, the tools, and the resources to get help for this person so that I can— Set these boundaries. I can do these difficult things.
1: Yeah. And even if you are like, I would rather have them get arrested and thrown in jail and have that be it, you're still going to have to battle for them because they're not they're not fixed just because they're sober. Yeah. They're, they're
0: not. They're, get, get the poisons out of their system, whatever it takes. I'm always like, okay, listen, let's just break it down to elementary. Whatever it takes to stop the poisons being pumped into their system, let's yeah. do it. Then start praying. For a change of heart. Then start praying right. that they can their heart will be softened. Yeah. But until those poisons are removed, it's a lost cause.
1: Are All we right. good to move on? Yeah, let's okay, go. Okay, number
0: 1 was tip of the iceberg, just to recap cuz my ADD kicks in if I was listening. Mm-hmm. 2 was hope and faith. Yep. How to utilize? 3, they know better. Again, we're talking about awesome families. Every time I work with these people, this is how the persons described, whether it's their son, daughter or their husband. Gosh, you know what? They're. This is just so unfortunate because, you know, they used to be the person that everybody loved to be around. They were just incredible. They were the ones that lit up the room when, the, when they walked in, and everybody wanted to be around them. Mm-hmm. They're always describing this. Incre- they want to make sure that I know.
1: How good they are.
0: And I know. It's amazing. They They are because they came from a great family. Yeah. So. I'm not calling you out, dads, but often dads fall victim to this more than anybody else, but moms do too. They know better. They were raised better. You did. You did not raise your child to become a drug addict. Mm-mm. So they know better. You know who they were before this madness. Whether you married them and they didn't have these problems in the beginning or it's your child, like you know who they who they really are, their true identity. Addiction doesn't discriminate. It doesn't. And I also like to remind everybody, your loved one found this solution. Okay? We sometimes get fixated on, all the drugs, the the porn, the alcohol. They found a solution. It's just kind of a, it's kind of one that you you wouldn't prefer they found. But in the beginning, it was a solution. So don't get hung up. I don't want to go too deep into this one. Don't get hung up on thinking that they should know better. Or that that person you once knew before this is just going to magically wake up one day and just look you guys in the eyes and be like, gosh, I've just been in this this daze for a while and I'm sorry. I I, I think I need to go get help.
1: Yeah. I think it is really hard when you, when you have an expectation of someone and you have it for a good reason, right? Like you've experienced things with them, difficult things, you've watched them achieve certain things or um, – you know, overcome certain things before, and then to have them run into this brick wall almost. And, and you're just looking at them going, wait, you're, you're way stronger than this. Like you can do this. I get it. That's, that's a tough thing to ask, but it is something that we're going to ask you to do, which is set that down because once somebody has the addiction, they actually can't access that part of their personality right now.
0: Well, unfortunately, if you, if you would have caught this in the very beginning stages, then you're like, yes, knock it off. Yeah. You could talk to them and be like, come on, Chris. Yeah. You know better.
1: Yeah. But knock not knock it off. Not once they've
0: but we given all, up their agency. We all fall victim to this thing of that. they get they have a choice. They did. At some point they had a choice and they're yeah. making poor ones. Remember, over time, these poisons rewire the way their brain works, which is turns into a, a disease of the brain.
1: Right. It wasn't right. that
0: way to start with, but it is now.
1: Right. And if they could stop it on their own, they would have done it already let's They'd... move
0: on to number four
1: um all right number four I love this one because I've actually experienced it a lot um and it is like approaching addiction as a transaction instead of like this relational healing right so oh, like you'll it's have a problem yeah like you'll have which Versus makes they sense need to heal because typically with something you could you could basically say, how much money is it going to take for me to fix this problem?
0: Where do we have to go? Where do
1: we have to go? Send me to the best place. I have the money or I have the connection or whatever. And you could essentially put it in that category and check the box and say, okay, great. We did our part. We got them into the best doctor, the best facility, the blah, blah, blah. But that is not how addiction works at all. And so you'll have these families that are used to approaching a problem very pragmatically, and they can't do it. They can't. They cannot approach addiction like this. So well, they there's just... a few
0: parts that work. Like you do need to make those choices, right? But for that's...
1: sure. But it's it's acknowledging that this is a very long and non-linear healing process. This is unlike anything else you've ever done. This is not like. We did this, so we're going to get this result. We did this. Now, is it sort of in that realm? Yes. There's a there's an outline. There's a plan. If you follow it, you will get some results. Or get that are, started. But thinking that you could simply do a one-stop shop, we're going to this facility. When they get out, they're going to be fixed. We're all moving on with our lives. It's over. That's just not how it works. Can I say something? Yeah.
0: I love reminding people out there that that love one of yours that's making you like <laughs> pull your hair out, question your sanity, like you just have to refrain from like choking them because they continue to ravage your life. As much as it seems like there there's a problem, there's nothing wrong with them. They need time to heal. There's got to be some forced way that gets them into some sort of pr- program with barriers to keep them from seeking out that poison, which their bodies and mind is going to want, but they need time to heal. So it goes perfectly in line with what you're saying. Right. There are strategic moves to get started.
1: A hundred percent. And there are very necessary steps that yeah. you cannot skip or get around. 100%.
0: But the healing.
1: But the healing is what is not linear.
0: And that takes time. And where a lot of people hate to accept the fact is your loved one's going to need the time to heal. But the way this is truly trans- transformational with, with the family is when the family starts to heal too. Yes. Realize how they've been impacted. The drug of choice for every family member that's a- affected by a loved one in addiction is codependency. So when you start to heal from that, that's where the magic happens. But that whole process is... Yeah. Kind of like the hippie world, right like
1: yeah where it's, it's like oh like, they're healing well they're doing this
0: everyone needs to heal
1: everyone does everyone and it takes and that is the hardest part is it's not transactional you can't say in six months you're gonna be here. Nope it's gonna be different for everyone
0: yeah, so don't look at it like that look at it as a healing journey okay yes. number five shame and comparison. we don't need to spend too much time on this one, but you know you know that you're guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. My family was guilty of it. Every single family is guilty of it, especially all the way back to the beginning of this. Awesome families. Yep. They fall victim to this even more. Everybody has the shame in comparison. And nowadays, if you want to compare your, your loved one's situation to someone else, oh, my gosh, the bar is, like... Oh, yeah. Destroyed. I mean, the number of homeless people... Fentanyl addicts laying out on the streets. People compare. You see people's pictures, mugshots on the news.
1: Yeah, no teeth.
0: I mean, the amount of people that are what, so-called the worst of the worst. Right. Those people are just living in a place where there's nothing left to hide. Actually, the worst place is the progression that gets you to that point. Right. Hiding it, living a double life. So don't compare it to other things, but you will. Mm Mm-hmm. It goes back to what you said earlier is the just because people will call me and I they only call because they're terrified. Something happened like their loved one overdosed or they found him face down vomiting from alcohol seizure or something or they threatened suicide or something happened. And then all of a sudden they'll start talking and they'll immediately be like, but you know what? They're not like those people that go to rehab or those, you know, those r- terrible drug addicts. They're just drinking a little bit too much. Yeah. The just word is so dangerous.
1: Yeah, it's poison.
0: And then there's the shame of people. I mean, we could talk about these two forever, but everybody does it. And as soon as you just knock it off.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's there's people that, for obvious reasons, want to hide their spouse's problems because, oh, my gosh, we don't want the whole neighborhood talking or we don't want their company to find out that they have this problem or whatever it is. And th- these reasons are good and justified. But in the end... They end up hurting the other person and you because it just means prolonged suffering, getting closer and closer to death and and scarier and
0: scarier situations. Well, and again, when you compare or you live in shame, you do nothing.
1: Right. Right. I mean, how many people are going to be like, oh, well, this is going on in my house. But you know what? I have a friend and this is what's going on in her house. So mine's better. So. I don't have to move yet.
0: I, I don't even want to go off on this one because often sometimes too, again, it got so bad that someone reached out and then immediately they're like, oh, well, you know what? They're not like those it's people. It's not, that, yeah. They're not the people that do like heroin and stuff. They're just abusing the the prescription medication. Yeah. And again, tip the iceberg. Why? Because it comes from a uh, pharmacy. Right. And they're taking 10 times the recommended dose. I'm like, actually, they'd be better off if they were doing heroin. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Someone might think I'm crazy to say that. Well, first of all, it's a heck of a lot cheaper. That's why I transitioned. Eventually, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm just spending way too much money. But then the family's like, "Uh uh-oh, that's bad. We have to do something.
1: Yeah, when it's heroin, all of a sudden it's real bad.
0: Now it's like, oh, the shame's gone, but it's like the comparison of the shame kick in if it's not. So just stop. You can always compare it to something worse. But guess what? Every person that you're compared to that it's the worst place they had a. It was a progression that got them there, mm-hmm. and anyone who thinks that their loved one's addiction is not going to progress to that point eventually, it's kidding. Themselves.
1: Again, it's going to the masterclass and watching the six stages. Amen.
0: Um, okay, number. Six. Okay, number
1: six. Last one, pride, and this is this is a massive one for families that are super amazing like you, who have really high educations, who have been super successful who dominate life in every area, it is so hard to swallow the jagged jagged pill of needing help, admitting maybe that there is someone in your family that's got a problem that you actually can't solve on your own. Um, There's so much of that.
0: There were two two parents that, Joined one of our groups yesterday for the first time, and both of them had the experience. Our private
1: support groups inside our community is what he's referring to.
0: And both of them had the experience of sharing with a group of people. There was close to a dozen amazing parents in this group. They got to say it out loud for the first time. And they may have shared it with one or two select people in their little circles before, but to just say out loud. The things like, yeah, my daughter overdosed two weeks ago, had a drug accidental drug overdose, or my son just got incarcerated yesterday from his drug and alcohol addiction. It's a humbling thing to do that. But immediately they broke down all the walls of shame and they allowed others to support them, allowed others to share with them. So pride is a thing. And I know everyone's like, We're not prideful. We're not prideful. We're really awesome, like charitable, kind people. We're you we, are we have humility. We do. But there's this thing about addiction. If your child was dealing with anything else, like, oh my gosh, they can't walk anymore, they can't see anymore, all these terrible things, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be ashamed to tell other people. You'd right. just be heartbroken. Yeah. But you would invite other people in to pray. Yes. For some reason with addiction, it's just even the word itself, but it just has such a nasty.
1: Yeah, you like, just feel you, you feel like you need to keep it private, maybe even. And,
0: and who falls victim to pride more than anyone? People who have achieved. Right. People who are successful and educated. It's like, we don't need help. Gosh, we've done everything. Think of all the things we've done in life. We don't need yeah. help.
1: Like, we've got this. We've got it. And unfortunately, and actually, fortunately, I want to say, we know the power of healing and what can happen when you, you just like Danny said, let those prideful walls crumble. And you allow yourself to speak the truth about what, how you're feeling and how what's going on in your family and how it's affecting you. And the support and the comfort and just the total shift that happens in your life when you allow other people to love you and support you and pray for you in that way. It is like nothing else. It, it heals in a way that nothing else can.
0: So I know there's a person in your life that's out of control, causing a lot of pain in your life and those around you. So why are we talking to you? Because as soon as you come to realize what of what, what these six things is holding you back, and we get through that, then we can get to work. Mm-hmm. Again, recapping, what you know is just a fraction of what's going on. You're not overreacting. If you had any idea how bad it was, you would you would not hesitate. Don't let hope and faith be put in the wrong place distract you from what to do. Don't fall victim to they know better, they are raised better, they just need to knock it off. You may have gotten lucky if you caught it in the first few weeks, but nobody does. And not to be a transactional thing, but a relational thing. There's nothing to fix. They need time.
1: To heal.
0: To heal. And do not fall victim to shame. Do not fall victim to pride. There is so much power I think the best way to describe it is you cannot heal in isolation. No. And if this is isolated to just your family or specific members in your family, that's isolated. It is only in community that we heal. Let others in. Let us in. Let's p- People know what's going on so they know what to pray for. That you can start receiving support and strength from other people. Yes. So we hope that's over and over we hammered that in to make it clear. You are the difference. And as soon as you start to get healthier, you will impact that illness that they are dealing with. And what what are we trying to do? We're trying to give them a chance.
1: That's right. I'm going to read the serenity prayer one more time. I know I already read it, but it's so good. Remember this. God, grant me the serenity to accept that I cannot change other people, the courage to change the person that I can, and the wisdom to know that it is me.
0: Thanks for joining us in this journey, guys. Have a great week.